As we continue on in our series through the book of James, remember James is a book that tells us that our faith should be working. That's how you could summarize the book of James, faith that works. Remember, he wants us to live whole lives, W-H-O-L-E, whole, complete lives, that there would be a lining up of our inner being and our outer self, our beliefs and our actions, that those two things would line up. And really, this is one of the passages that really captures what James is saying. I hope um, you guys have been able to use your scripture journals. I hope those have been helpful to, helpful to you so far. Um, I hope that those have been a way for you to kind of dig into God's word a little bit before, uh, to reflect on it a little bit after. But I'm looking forward to this 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 passage, um, so much so that I, I really dug in and tried to understand uh, the passage and see how we could apply it to our lives. Um, I'm going to have uh, Josiah and I are going to try something new. I'm going to have points up on here for you. If you're taking notes, I'm going to have points put up there for you. Um, I work so hard on the body of the sermon, I have no good intro. So we're just going to get into it, right? I have no quick quote, no funny story, nothing like that. No intro right into it, okay? So if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and read chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. We're going to read this, we'll pray, and then we will get into our scripture this morning. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror For when he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. God, we pray that we would come before it right now in humility, that we would humble ourselves before your word, that we would place ourselves under it and allow it to give us instruction. God, we pray that we would be doers of this word and not just hearers alone, that we would take the word that we received, apply it to our lives and let it seep into every corner of our life and change us so that we can be glorifying to you, that we might become more like Jesus. Lord, again, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, our first point that we pull from this is this. Number one, receive the word, be a hearer. Receive the word, be a hearer. The first verse we need to look at in this passage is verse 21. I know it doesn't start with 21, but that's where we need to look because that has the main command of this passage. It says, receive the word. To say it another way is to be a hearer, hear the word. And when you think about that command, you should be 
in some sense, shell-shocked by that command. You should be caught off guard by that command because think about it. What word are we talking about right here? What word are we talking about? We're talking about the same word from verse 18, a few verses before, that is used to bring us forth and give us life. It's the same word here in verse 21 that's said to have power to save. It's the word from verse 25 that's equated with the law of God. This word is the very thoughts and ideas of the creator of the universe. And you are invited to hear it. You're invited to receive it. The phone's ringing and it's the most famous person in the universe. You need to hit accept. Don't send that to voicemail. You need to say, yes, I want to receive God's word. Now imagine you did get a chance to meet somebody famous, some famous dignitary. Um, if you've ever seen the, the show The Crown, it's about, it's about the, the British monarchy in, in England. Um, John F. Kennedy gets to go meet the president or gets to go meet the queen. And he's given all these instructions of, hey, this is what you need to do when you go and meet this queen. You have to do this, say this. You have to bow first, then say this. Uh, He had to be very conscious of when he met the queen of England because he was meeting somebody. He was going to hear a word from somebody that was extremely important. So there's a proper way to meet the queen. And I think in a similar way, there's a proper way for us to receive uh, the word of God, right? We need to be thinking, how do we receive it? How do we address him? How do we listen to this word? And James is going to give us some tips on how we are to receive the word of God. How is it that we can be a hearer of the word? Well, first, we need to receive the word as a gift, as we see here. We need to receive the word as a gift. James describes the word as being implanted in us or planted in us. Think of when you have a garden and you go to Walmart and you buy a plant and you take it to your house and you put it into the ground of your house. That's the picture that James is giving us of what the word of God is to us. What that means is that plant didn't grow at your house. You had to go get it and bring it in, right? It's not natural to your yard. Um, Those hydrangeas, those roses, whatever they are, they're not growing in your yard. You're planting them there. They're not from your yard. So in the same way, the word of God has to be implanted in us. It's not natural to us. In some sense, we're naturally opposed to the Lord. We're opposed to his word. But James tells us that that word is implanted onto our hearts. In some sense, it's it's tattooed onto our hearts. It's written onto our hearts in a special way. It should remind us of the Old Testament. I want you guys to write these references down. We're not going to turn to them, but you can look at them later. Jeremiah 31 31 through 33, so Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, and Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. And this is, these Old Testament passages were given to a time, given to God's people in a time when God's word was hard for them to follow, hard for them to hear. They didn't hear it regularly. And in these two passages, it said that God would promise, God promised through Jeremiah that God would write the law on their hearts. And also in Ezekiel, that God would place his spirit within them to obey the law. So receiving God's word as a so we should receive God's word as a gift every time we interact with it, knowing that God plants it in our hearts and allows us to understand it through his word. Every time you open the Bible. 
It's a gift. Every time you hear it read, it's a gift. Every time you listen to it on your phone or you hear it preached at church, no matter what, it's a gift. Every time you happen to scroll across a Bible verse on Facebook and you read it, man, that was a gift from God. Receive it. Receive it with as a gift. But second, receive it with humility. Receive it with humility. The ESV translates this as meekness, we see, but really that's a synonym for humility, which means you need to receive the word of God. When you receive the word of God, you need to lay down your pride and remember that you may not know everything there is. And it's a possibility that these people 2000 years ago that we're hearing from God might be more in touch with reality than you are in the 21st century with all your knowledge and your books and your technology, right? It's possible that the word of God is more in touch with reality than you are. And so as you approach it, you need to not approach it as let me correct these old stodgy um, people that didn't know anything about the world and say, you know what? Maybe the human condition is the same throughout time. And the people that God spoke to 2,000 years ago struggle with the same stuff you struggle with 2,000 years later. Come to it with humility. Come to it with humility. Don't come to it with your guard up, ready to give every excuse and argument as to why the Bible's outdated. Come to it with humility. Third, receive the word in repentance. Receive the word in repentance. Verse 21 says this, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So to put away has the sense of take off, right? If you had a shirt that um, got stained one time, um, my family and I, we were at a a burger joint in still or not still water in Bartlesville. And I love mustard on my hamburgers. I do. It's it's it makes it better. Mustard and pickle only. That's all you need on a burger, maybe some bacon. Well, as I was ready to dress my burger, I take the, the mustard and I start to shake it because I want the mustard to be at the bottom, at the you know, end of it. I'm shaking it. The, the cap comes off. It's one of those like cap. The cap comes off. I'm literally slinging mustard all over this restaurant, dude. It's hitting people across. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, I looked at my shirt and I realized this shirt is stained. It's filthy. I need to take it off now, right? I need to remove that and put on something new. That's what James is calling us to do when we hear the word of God. We need to remove all the filthiness from our life and put on the new. And the word of God allows us to do that. So when we come to the Bible, we're going to often be given a viewpoint of the world around us and specifically of ourselves that may be different than what we have. It's going to call us to have a different attitude, call us to have different actions, different behaviors, Maybe behaviors that we thought were completely acceptable before we read the Bible, but now we read the Bible and realize these actions, these thoughts, these behaviors are not acceptable before the Lord, and we need to take those off. So when we receive the word, we need to receive it in repentance, knowing there may be some things that the word of God's going to call me to do that are different than the way I'm currently living. Now, fourth, we need to receive the word for salvation. What does it say about the word at the end of verse 21? It says this, receive this implanted word, which is able to save your souls, able to save your souls. 
We need to see God's word, not just as a gift, not just as something you can study as a relic from time past, but it's the word of God that let you know, hey, there's a God that made you and made the universe around you. The Bible also tells us that even though we were made by him, we rebelled against him. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to die for our sins when we rebelled against him. The Bible tells us That Jesus not only died for our sins on the cross, but purchased us everlasting life by overcoming the grave. The Bible tells us of the hope that we have at the end of all things. The Bible is what tells us that. So we need the Bible for our salvation. We need the word of God. How does faith come to us? Through hearing the word of God, through hearing the Bible. So when you receive the Bible, don't just think, man, this is a nice little pamphlet that God gives us to tell us about all the things he offers. And we need to see it as... The information in here, the gospel contained in here, is, has eternal ramifications for you. It has eternal ramifications for you. So, our vision statement here at this church is this, that we become more like Jesus together. And one of the taglines, the first tagline of that, tagline of that is this, that we become more like Jesus together through his word. Right. So that's why we put place so much value on the word of God because we're called to hear it, receive it in all of those ways. So we have things like Sunday school where we study the word of God. We have uh, uh, the main thing we do in our morning worship is we preach the word of God, hear from God, hear his message. We gather back together on Sunday night to say, hey, how does this message impact and and, and apply to our lives? Um, We do things like buy scripture journals and study the same passages together throughout the, the week. We make the word of God an emphasis because we're called to hear it. So I encourage you to hear the word of God, receive the word of God, be a hearer of the word of God. Now, second, not only should we receive the word and be a hearer, number two, we should live the word and be a doer. Live the word and be a doer. Hearing God's word is amazing. I love preaching. Sometimes just for entertainment's sake, I put a sermon on in the background because I just like to hear preaching. I love to hear good preaching. Um, So I I love hearing the word of God, receiving it's a blessing, reading it's a blessing. But James tells us that hearing the word is not enough. Hearing the word is not enough. We shouldn't be doers of the word only, but we sorry, we should be doers of the word, not hearers only. And what he means by this is that we need to be taking God's word, putting it into our lives, and letting it seep into every corner of our lives, and put it into practice in all the various areas of our life. You can summarize what James is saying like this: Hearing is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Hearing the word is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Hearing the word is foundational, but it's not final. Hearing the word's foundational, but it's not final. Imagine you paid somebody to build a house. We got a carpenter here in the house, Bill. If if somebody hired Bill to build a house for them, and he went and he's like, man, I laid such a great foundation. Come look at the foundation. I'm done, right? That person that asked Bill to build their house would be like, yeah, the foundation's good, but where are the walls? I need the walls and the roof. If you don't have the walls, even though the foundation is necessary, it's not sufficient. And in the same way, the word of God in our lives, just hearing it is not sufficient. It's not sufficient. It's foundational, but it's not final. We should be doers, not just hearers. 
And the reason we need to be doers and not just hearers is because hearers alone are deceived. If you're a hearer only, you are deceived. Hearers only are deceived. Hearing the word of God can give you a sense of, of sense of false um, a, a sense of false security about your salvation. It's possible for us to hear God's word on a regular basis and not be right with God, and that's that should be a terrifying thing. We should be shook by this passage. That means that you can have a quiet time daily and not be right with God. You can hear the word preached weekly and not be right with God. You can read the whole Bible yearly and not be right with God. Just hearing the word of God can be deceiving because it will make you think that you're right with God when you're not. We can come to church weekly and think, man, I'm good because I come to church, I hear the word preached, I'm good. But it's not, right? There has to be a doing that comes along with it. Just hearing the word of God can be deceiving. And in verse 23, we get an example of somebody who reads the Bible or hears the Bible and doesn't do what it says. That person's like a person that looks into a mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like. If you look into a mirror and you see yourself um, and, and you, you need to make any kind of necessary changes, right? If, if you walk in from out here on a windy day and you walk through the foyer and you look in the window and your hair is windblown and you think, oh, all right, and you don't do anything about it, what good was looking into the mirror? When you look into the mirror, you should fix what's going on in your life. Let's think of it in a few more uh, ways. How foolish would it be if you thought your retirement was taken care of just because you went to a financial literacy class? And if you walked away from that thinking, I'm good to go, I went to that class. How silly would that be? Really? What you need to do is you need to go out and change your spending habits, set up a retirement account. If you don't do that, what good was the class? It'd be silly to think your retirement's good to go just because you went to a class. Or in the same way, how silly would it be if you went to a physical, um, if you went to a physical health class or you read a book on physical health and thought, now you're healthy just because you read that book on physical health. If only it were that easy, right? If you could just read a book and be healthy. No, if you don't start exercising and dieting, the book's no good. What good does it do to read the book if you're not going to do what the book says? And I think this is the point that James is saying. Hearing the word's good, but it's not enough. Hearing the word's necessary, but it's not sufficient. So if you're a hearer only, you might be deceived to think, man, I've heard the word of God, I'm good to go. James says, no, you're not. You need to put it into practice. So Number So that first part, hearers only are deceived. Now, second, doers also are blessed. If you're a doer also, then you will be blessed. James continues his analogy about the mirror and tells us that the one who looks into the mirror of God's word, which is his perfect law, this law of liberty, if you persist in that and you do it, you're going to be blessed. You'll be blessed. We must take a long, hard look into the perfect law of God that sees far deeper than our flesh, but down to our very soul. And when you take time and you look at that perfect law, you realize your imperfections. But at the same time, as you look into the law of liberty, you're set free from the law of self. It is a good thing to hear the word of God and then do it as well. Summarize it this way. The blessing of God's word is not just in the hearing, but in the doing. The blessing of God's word is not just in the hearing, but in the doing as well. 
I'm sure some of us, I've, I'm in the same, same boat. Some of us have probably read the Bible in our lives. Maybe you're like, man, I'm going to, I've heard Tim say, hey, read the Bible. I'm going to commit to reading the Bible. Maybe you start a reading plan and you, you read a good chunk of the Bible. But then later on, you kind of stop because you're like, man, it's just not doing anything for me. I'm not, I'm, it's not benefiting my life. I'm not feeling any blessing from it. I'm not receiving anything. Maybe you didn't get a blessing from reading the Bible because you just read the Bible and you didn't do what the Bible called you to do. It's possible for us to read the Bible and not receive the blessing that comes from the Bible because we didn't put it into practice. We didn't put it into practice. If you want to be blessed by God's word, live God's word. We shouldn't doubt the power of God's word if we've read it and didn't benefit from it because the blessing doesn't come just from hearing but also from doing. So what does it look like to be a doer of God's word? What does it look like for for you to live God's word out loud in your life? James, we're going to finish this with point number three, which are some examples of living the word. Some examples of living the word. We're going to see this in verse 19 and then 26 and 27. So you can see how James has kind of um, surrounded his main point with these other points. So we're going to look at these examples. Um, These are going to be ways that you can say, hey, here's three quick ways that I can... I can apply God's word to my life and be a doer of it. And maybe these are going to be, in another sense, three litmus tests on how you're doing with applying God's word to your life. So number one, first, James tells us to watch our mouths. Watch your mouth. Go back up to verse 19. Now, verse 19, man, I, there's part of me that I, toward the end of the week, and I thought, I'm going to have to do like one single sermon on this this line. Look at verse 19. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Woof. I mean, that seriously, that deserves its own sermon. We're not going to do it, but it should get it. Maybe, I'll, maybe we'll do like a completely different lesson on it. But be slow to speak, or so quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Listening is really hard to do for a lot of us because listening requires you to close your mouth and allow somebody else to speak, to have the attention, to um, express their point of view. It takes selflessness to listen to somebody else. And we love to get our point across, but we struggle to let people get their point across. How many times have you been listening to somebody talk and all you're doing is thinking about what you're going to say in response to them rather than listening to them? James says, hey, be slow or be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. How many of our lives would be blessed and better if we did this line? How many marital fights would you avoid, brothers, if you were to just listen first before you opened your mouth? How many of those would be, how many of those marital fights would be avoided? Because there's lots of times when me and Whitney get into a fight and we're, what we're doing is we're kind of ships passing in the night because she's saying one thing and I'm not getting it. I think she's saying something else. I'm not picking up what she's putting down. And then I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I don't know why I'm fighting you then. I agree with you. Right? If I would have listened in the first place, life would have been better. And think about that where he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why does he say be slow to anger? Well, follow along from verse 20. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man, if we could grasp that. Sometimes we get so angry because what's happening, maybe we have the right to be angry. Maybe what we're angry at is wrong. 
Maybe it is evil. Maybe it is improper for your kids to misbehave you. Whatever it is. But we overestimate what our anger can accomplish. Sometimes we think our anger is going to make things right. But James says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We overestimate what our anger is going to do in a situation. We think if I'm just mad enough at this, if I'm just angry enough at this injustice in the world, it's going to make things right. When most of the time, the anger of man is not going to result in the righteousness of God. So if you're going to be a doer of God's word, not just to hear, one of those ways to do that is to watch your mouth, which is what verse 26 also tells us. We go back down there. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So if you're a Christian and you can't control your mouth, there's a problem there. If you call yourself a Christian, you can't control your mouth, can't control your tongue. There's a problem there. He's going to, that's a little bit of a preview of what we're going to see, what, in chapter three, he's going to talk about taming the tongue again. So come back for that next episode. But all that to say, if you're going to do God's word, first, watch your mouth. Second, watch over the helpless. Watch over the helpless. Notice what he says in verse 27. Religion that is pure and fault or pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, some of us get caught up in that word religion, as we should, right? How many of you have ever said, man, I don't follow a relation religion, I have a relationship. I get the sentiment of that that phrase, but we need to let James kind of use this word as he, what he means is when people try to be right with God. That's what religion is. It's people trying to be right with God. So in the generic sense, he's saying, if you're trying to be right with God, if you, the, the, the good way to be right with God, the proper way to be right with God is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. People who are weak and helpless in society, the people in your circle that need help. Why? Because notice what he refers to God as. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. So if you want to be like God the Father, you need to be a father to those people in your life. Man, I, I'm, I'm so blessed by the way our church, in some sense, is, is, is we're spiritual moms and dads to lots of kids in our community. We pack that room back there full of uh, kids um, constant, weekly of, of kids that are in some sense spiritual orphans and spiritual widows. That's a blessed thing. And when we do that, man, there's some Wednesday nights where I'm worn out, I'm tired, I, I didn't have fun, but then I look back on it and think, man, we've blessed people, we've blessed kids, we've taken care of orphans. That attitude is where pure religion is, true religion. Being like God would be being a father to the fatherless. So the people in your life, are there people in your life that are weak and helpless? Do you watch over them? Third way that you can do the word and not just hear it is to watch out for worldliness. Third, watch out for worldliness. And that's what James finishes this passage with is this, to keep oneself unstained from the world. We're Christians, we're we're people, we're humans, we're going to live in the world, but we should live in it and not be of it. We should uh, interact with people of the world, but not be stained or marked by the world. Really, we should be leaving a mark on the world ourselves. So look at your life. What has more impact on you? The word of God or the world? The wisdom that you find on Facebook or on TikTok or in the newspaper or on the news? Or 
Does the word of God guide your interactions and your decisions on a daily basis? So as we come to a close, these three examples that we've looked at that James uses here at the end of how to live our faith out loud and do the word, they may, you may hear those and you may feel like you've miserably failed at all three of those. Uh, If so, join the club because I'm right there with you. As I studied those three things, I thought, man, I do not watch my mouth. I do not watch out for the helpless and I do not watch out for worldliness as much as I should. And if you're in that boat with me, just realize that that's a good boat to be in is realizing you're not living up to what you're called to do because it gives you a chance to do the right thing. Maybe these three small examples of watching your mouth, watching the helpless, watching uh, out for worldliness, they might seem like an impossible mountain for you to climb. Maybe you're looking at this and it feels like Mount Everest. You're like, man, I cannot do that. Maybe just the first one is enough to trip you up. I, can't eat, I cannot watch my mouth. Well, let me remind you that we have a Savior who has scaled that mountain victoriously. He is the perfect picture of all of these. Jesus had so much control over his tongue that even when he was being murdered and crucified, he said about the people hurting him, they don't know what they're doing, God. Forgive them. He had so much control of his tongue. He had so much care for the weak and the powerless in the Gospels. He's always constantly surrounded by those who are sick, hurting, hungry. He's always surrounded by them. He spent more than 30 years on this planet, and he remained unstained by the world. So much so that he never sinned once. So as Jesus stands up on that mountain, victorious over the way that humans live their life, he looks down at us, but he doesn't look down at us and point a finger of condemnation, but he gives us an open hand of invitation, saying, come up, come up the mountain with me. Let me help you come up this mountain and live in God's will. Friends, as you hear these examples and you hear this call to not just hear God's word, but to live it out. No, God wants you to live these things out more than you want to live these things out. God wants you to obey even more than you want to obey. And if he wants that, he can make it happen. So go to God and ask him, God, help me not just to be a hearer of your word, but also a doer of your word. Help me not just to hear God's word on a weekly basis, but be a liver of God's word on a daily basis. And if you ask him for that, if you call to him for that, he will give it because he wants you to obey him even more than you want to obey him. Let's pray.